Well, happy Mother's Day. Thank you for being here this weekend. Thank you for coming to church with your mother or for bringing your mother. Either way, we're delighted that you are here with us today. It's good to see you. We're going to be uh, concluding our family series for now, today. And what I mean by now, I mean that this is a two-part message. Um, it's not going to be your typical Mother's Day message. And so if you came looking for a Mother's Day message, just come back next year, okay? Um, Listen, I, I tried. I, re- I really tried. I, I, I really wanted to preach a Mother's Day message today. I just could not get away from the, the Lord had this in store for us today. And so I'm just trusting him in the whole process that he knows what he's doing. I mean, after all, he's God and I'm not. I, I know sometimes as humanity, we struggle with that idea, right? That I'm not God and somebody else is supposed to be in control of all this. So I'm just going to trust him with that today. So we've been in the family series. We've talked about being an engaged family. Our theme for, the, for this first half of the year has been to be engaged, to engage God's Word, to live according to it. So we've looked at how we're all in the family. Uh, if you want to know where we as a church family stand uh, in regard to uh, some of the nonsense that's gone on in our country regarding race, I would encourage you to go on the podcast and listen to that one. Uh, that really clearly defines for us what we believe and where we're at. Uh, then we talked about how God wants, to ha- wants us to have... Families who are bigger on the inside than they are on the outside. We looked at Job and compared and contrasted that to um, the prodigal son. And then last week, we spent time just looking at the fall of the first family and the the issues that they, um, thanks to their wonderful choices there, uh, left us in humanity. And so today, we're going to just one more. The next next installment of this will happen on Father's Day. And so um, come back on Father's Day and hear the, the rest of this. But today... Uh, I want to share a message with you um, while you're turning to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to share a message with you that's entitled, Happy Wife, Happy Life. (laughs) Now, I don't know many things that get a mama more excited than to hear somebody tell them that they're going to put their husband in their place today. So husbands, just sit there and take it, okay? Uh, Don't worry, the ladies will get their turn on on Father's Day, okay? I'm, I'm just kidding. It's, it's, whether you're married or not, whether you want to be married or not, I promise you're going to find something in today's message that you'll be able to take and apply to your life and help you to grow and be more like Jesus. And so um, it's just, we've got a lot happening right now, you know, and so Mother's Day today, next Sunday we're honoring graduates. And so if you have a high school graduate, a college graduate that you want to honor, that's next week and we're excited for that. Uh, it's also Pentecost Sunday. We're, we're still a Pentecostal church, Amen. If you didn't feel it, I don't know, your feeler's broken. Uh, We can pray for that when service is over, okay? Um, And then on the 27th, we're going to have water baptism, and that's always a fun time. So if you want to get baptized in water, follow the Lord and that command, we need you to get signed up to let us know for that. You can sign up on the website, all right? And we'll go from there. So this week, Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse 25. It says this, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. To make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Now, I hope you notice there that there's a lot of comparison um, and, and a pattern there that's given to us in Scripture for how we're to love our wives. And that's in the same way that Christ loved the church, right? So we're supposed to lay down our lives for her. So we, we need to learn that, and we need to lay our lives down. 
Men, this is really important, but this is also really important for everybody because we all have to lay our lives down and live them according to God's Word, amen? So whether or not you find yourself married, whether or not it necessarily directly applies to you, find the principle and apply it to your own life, okay? And so we need to learn that we've got to lay our lives down. Now, I've learned it's true in, in, in my time in marriage and my parents, seeing how the whole thing worked and watching many of you, I've learned this principle to be true. Happy wife, happy life, Right? You, you want your life to be happy, make sure mama is happy, right? Make sure, make sure your wife is taken care of, make sure she's happy. If you want joy and happiness in this world, I promise you find it by laying your life down for your wife. That's the way that it works. First of all, you lay it down for Jesus. Second of all, men, we lay it down for our spouses. We lay it down for our wife. I promise you this, if you will lay your life down for somebody else, you will find happiness. If you live your life selfishly, Please hear me, you will find your life to not be happy and dare I say, miserable. Because until we find that measure of selflessness that cares for somebody else in the way that a husband and wife are to care for each other, we're missing something. There's something that's devoid in our lives right there in that part. So if you're married, if you're, if you're not married today, if you're not married today, don't tune me out. Please don't tune me out. Because you're going to get something that's going to bless you. Here's the thing. When somebody tells me in the marriage counseling that we've done over the years, premarital counseling, uh, we, we try to help young people understand before they get married that your spouse is never going to be the one that can alone make you happy, that happiness alone is found in Jesus. We can have a happy marriage, and we're going to talk about that for a little bit. But we try to help them understand it. Well, through the years, I've learned a couple of things about marriage, okay? When a person tells me that they have a happy marriage, what they're really telling me is that they are having their needs met at home. Their needs are being met. They don't have wants that they're hoping somebody else will, will be able to fulfill for them. That, that's not what's happening. That's because God designed men and women to meet needs for our spouses. Our spouses are supposed to be the ones that meet our needs for us. So if you're in a happy marriage, then your needs are being met at home. If you are in an unhappy marriage, then you have needs that are not being met. And we're going to deal with some of that today. So I want to help us all because how many of you know marriage is under attack in America? I want, I want to see less single moms. I want to see more marriages stay intact. I want to help you be able to help your family. So I'm going to offer some, some, some godly counsel from his word today that I believe that will help us all. There's three needs that we're going to deal with that men are designed specifically to meet for their wives, and they all happen when we lay our lives down. By the way, the overarching encompassing theme for today if you don't catch it early on, is that we've got to lay our lives down. We've got to lay it down. We've got to be willing and able to say, you know what, I'm going to let God's pattern, God's way of living my life cover the rest of my life in the process, okay? So we're going to talk about three needs. The first one is communication. Communication. Now, I decided a long time ago that there was a word in my vocabulary if my marriage was going to be happy that had to go. It's the word fine. Because I would come home and Rachel would say, well, how was your day? And I'd say, oh, it's fine. Then all of a sudden I felt like it was the Spanish Inquisition, right? <laughs> well, what do you mean fine? You know in the movie what fine means. It means freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Which one are you today? 
none of those. I'm, I'm just fine, okay? I, everything was great. Uh, you know, what, what do you want to know? L- listen, men, let me help you. Ladies, y- your wives, they, they need details, okay? They, they need more than just fine. That's not going to work. They don't need a headline. They don't need a bottom line. They need the whole stinking story, top to bottom, first to last. So I, I decided I wanted to, to avoid the Spanish Inquisition, right? Because what, what it would happen when I would say fine, she would want to get the rest of the story by asking questions. Well, where did you go today? What did you do? Who did you see when you went there? What did you think about while they said that to you while you were there? I have no idea, right? This is what we do. This this is how men, this is how we work. The problem is, ladies, they need that. I I thought she was just being nosy. I just thought she just wanted to know every detail of my life. I was like, man, could you please? I didn't understand everything that was going on. Because my my view of it was when I'd go play golf with my buddies on the weekend, right? We'd go, and my buddy Brian said, hey, how was your week? It's fine. Great. Mine was fine, too. (laughs) Ta-da! You're up. You know, it was that simple, right? Get after it. Let's go. Well, in our marriages, we need, we need to offer more than that. In our relationships that we're connected with, we need to offer more, of that, more than that. Because listen, please hear me say this. Guys, we have to lay our lives down in this area because we don't want to give up more details because they don't matter to us. Here's the headline. Here's the bottom line. Let's move on. But here is the truth, okay? Our wives, our spouses, they need communication because it's how they connect with us. Men, that's how ladies connect with us. It's, it's an important aspect of it. Now, guys, let me, let me give you a way to really score some bonus points here really quick. Sometime today in your conversation with your sweetheart, use the word feelings. You talk about how that made you feel, and all of a sudden... You're going to earn some bonus points, I promise you, because they love that. They want to know about that. Ladies, hear me say this. When you ask us about something and we say, I don't know, we're not lying. We are not lying, okay? Because here's the thing. Men come from the factory unemotionally connected. We are unemotionally assembled. All the wiring is there. It's just not connected. It just doesn't make all of the it. So, ladies, that's your job, is to help us to connect emotionally, how to, how to put it all together. Because we want to give you what you need. We want to do that. We want to be your provider, your caregiver. We want to do those things, but sometimes we just don't have what it takes to make that happen, okay? So, ladies, that's your job, to help us to connect the whole thing together. So, maybe it sounds, sounds like this. Now, wait a minute. I heard you say that when you were in high school, you played in the state championship game. Yeah, I did. And your dad didn't come to the championship game? No. But all of the other dads were there? Yeah. And you hit the game-winning home run in the championship game? Yeah. And your dad wasn't there? No. And you're fine with that? And it doesn't bother you? You know what happens when that kind of questioning starts happening with the guys? It's like when she says, and you're fine with that, all of a sudden it's like, you know, you feel that buzz, right? You kind of jump, and oh, what was that? It's okay, guys, that was just a feeling. It was a wire being connected, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, that, that's what it is. Let me just go ahead and tell you what's going to happen next. You're going to start crying in the movies. 
You're going to go watch something with your wife that you would have never watched, and you're going to be going, no, I'm not crying. I'm not. It's not me. And she's going to hand you the box of tissues and ask you for one after you've gone through half of them. It's okay. Let those emotions get connected, okay? Because here's the truth. Men, when we allow that wiring come, to come together, when we allow the, that, that process to occur, it helps us. You, you will have a much deeper connection a much stronger connection with your spouse than you have ever known. Not only that, you want to talk about being able to connect with the Lord on a deeper capacity. Because there's a process that happens in learning to connect. There's a lot of people, let me relate this right over to a really easy spiritual topic for you. There's a lot of people that come and say, you know, Pastor, when I pray, I just don't feel like I connect with the Lord. Really? Tell me about your relationships at home. Well, you know, my wife and I, we don't really connect. And what, what about with your kids? I don't really connect with them. You know, they're off doing their thing. Okay, we've got a connection problem. Not a spiritual problem. Not an, we, we've got a connection problem. We've got to learn how to connect and, and to make those connections so that not only you can connect with those who are around you and in your relationships that matter most, but also so that you can connect with God. Because here's the truth. When, we, uh, when God wanted to give us a mirror image of himself in the earth, what did he do? He put a husband and wife on the earth. Let us make them in our image, right? But in all of creation, everything he created, he said was good except for one thing, and that was man alone. He said it's not good for man to be alone, right? Now, I don't know why. I don't know if Adam was running around the garden with scissors. I have no idea what was going on. I don't know what was taking place, but God said it's not good for a man to be alone. So he created a woman and gave him to him as their, as their spouse. He created marriage for that purpose because we're to be God's image in the earth today. So, so guys, listen. It's important, if we're going to have godly marriages, it's important that we put this all together and be willing to connect, be willing to lay down our lives so that the communication level can go up. Laying down our life meets this need. You have to be willing to say, I'll go beyond what I can do. Now, the second need that, that we're able to meet, that men are able to meet in our, our wives' life is this, leadership. Leadership. Not domination. Nobody likes to be dominated. It's not there. You're not going to find it anywhere. Nobody says, here, why don't you beat me up some more? I've never had anybody come into my office for counseling and say, Pastor, could you make me feel worse about this? That's not what happens. It's not the case. What we do is we, we have the ability as men to lead our families. The most destructive homes, Christian research and secular research all points to the same thing. The most destructive homes, home life, are those uh, where, where there is a dominant parent at home. Think about that. The, a dominant parent at home is the most destructive home life that there is. Here's the thing. God didn't create it to be that way. God never created us to be dominated. God created us to have dominion and rule over the earth, but that's not in our home family relationships. The idea of leadership is probably summed up better as, as to initiate, initiation, to get something provoked from someone to move on, right? So this is what God does with us. We're in our quiet time and we're praying. And we say, God, here's where I'm at. And you're talking to him. And all of a sudden, you feel like God begins to speak to your heart. That's God initiating something within us to help us become more like him. Well, men, that's the same thing we're supposed to do. Think about it like this. We're supposed to lead our wives like Christ leads and loves the church. Amen? 
It's really simple, straightforward what Scripture says. But imagine if we were to go to God and he led us like we lead our homes. What if he was dominating? What if he always put us down? What if he was always criticizing and belittling? Would you want to be led like that? I know I wouldn't. I don't like it when that kind of stuff happens in my own life. Why would I want to do that to somebody else? So we've got to be willing to set that aside. Or, or what if God was the absent leader? You, know, you come to me and you say, hey, God, listen, i got a question for you. Should I take this job offer? And you feel like God says, I don't know. Hey, Lord, I'm thinking about transferring over here with this company. What do you think? Beats me. Or, God, my kids are really struggling. Could you please, please help me with my children? This is what's going on, and here's where it's at. And God says, hey, don't talk to me about children's problems. You want to know about children's problems. I got problems with my kids. Nobody likes that, right? God doesn't respond to us that way. What God does is he leads. He initiates conversations. He initiates a change in, in our attitude and behavior from the inside out because that's what God does. And men, that's what we're supposed to do is to give leadership the way God does. Our wives want us to take leadership, not domination, but that, because that's the way God designed it. It's for the men to lead in the home. So men, step up and take your place. Now, let me give you three quick ways that you can lead your home, okay? First of all, every woman wants to be led in spiritual matters. They do. Every woman desires that. How often do we hear women say that if they weren't the ones who stepped up and led their family in coming to church or being involved in a group on Wednesday nights or, or another ministry or something of that sort, that their family would not be involved? If I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. Because men, we've got to take our place. We've got to step up because our, our women want that. Our wives desperately want that. Another way that you can lead in, at home is in prayer. You don't have to, you know, have a five-hour-long prayer meeting, but pray. And if you haven't been doing this, you haven't been praying, then stop, take some time, and begin today because I promise you, your wife will appreciate it. I remember early on in our marriage, I rolled over one night, and we were uh, just going to bed, and I said, babe, let's pray. And she said, I wondered how long it was going to take you. Well, what does that mean? Before you were going to be willing to pray at home with us. Well, I get up in the morning at about 5 o'clock. Why don't you join me for prayer? I got all defensive, right? Thinking that she was taking it out. No, uh -uh. instead, step up to the plate. Lead in prayer. Pray over the things that matter to you and matter to your family. Take the step. If you haven't been doing it, it's never too late to start. Start now. The second area that they want us to lead is in our kids, our children. I promise you, she wants you to take the initiative with your kids. She wants you to take the initiative with your family and what they're involved in and their activities and, and, and discipline. Men, it's our job. We've got to step up to the plate. And the third area is in romance. She doesn't want to have to remind you that it's her birthday or of your anniversary. I promise you she doesn't want to have to remind you of all that. The thing about romance, let me give you a great definition. It's meeting a need before it's ever spoken. It's meeting a need before it's ever spoken. So maybe it goes like this. You're out, you're shopping, and she sees a little end table there, and she says, oh, I think that would look great in our house. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. You make a note, you call back to the store later, you order it, and you have it delivered, and it shows up with a shiny red bow. Guess what? Things are going to be pretty good for you. Happy wife, happy life. One thing I've learned, though, if you want to be romantic, you better be a good steward of God's finances. It's really hard to be romantic if you don't know if you've got any money. It's really hard to be romantic. 
So what we've got to do is we've got to work on that. We've got to have a budget at home. If you don't have a budget at home, listen, how how many of you have ever gone through a life, a a stage in your life that you didn't have a budget? You had no idea how much money you had coming in and going out. Anybody? Please tell me I'm not the only hand going up. Okay, good. I don't feel so bad. The rest of you shouldn't either. And if you didn't raise your hand because you're embarrassed, you can raise both of them in a little while, okay? (laughs) Because here's the thing. We all have these moments that happen, right? We all have these times in our life where we've got to get that stuff ironed out. Now, one of the things we tell people often, especially in premarital counseling, is to make your budget the third party in your family. Here's why. Because when my wife comes to me, and please hear me, I've learned a lot of this the hard way because I didn't make great decisions. Or we'd spend money at the, uh, uh, that needed to go towards a bill because I thought it would make my wife happy and then have to figure out how to pay the bill. It's a no fun way to live, okay? So if you'll learn to be a good steward, I promise things will begin to change. Here's the thing. When we tell people make the budget a, a third party, here's what you do. When my wife comes to me and says, hey, you know the Joneses, they got new furniture. Can we get some new furniture in our living room? You know what I say? Absolutely I want to get new furniture in our living room. But we've got to ask Mr. Budget. You know what? I talked to Mr. Budget and he said, sorry. No can do. No money for you, all right? He, be, he becomes the, the soup Nazi, if you will, right? No money for you. Not going to happen. Uh-uh, there's not enough money, baby. Forget it. No way, no how. Guess what? He's the bad guy, not me. I wanted to buy her the furniture. It's a win-win situation. So learn to do that. If you struggle with that in your family, in your marriage, if your kids struggle with that, that is a brilliant principle that I didn't come up with that we pass on. It's good advice. It's good wisdom to learn to get that in order. Because money decisions should never be emotional decisions. Money decisions should be math decisions. So people say, hey, do you think we are, we're thinking about buying this house. What do you think? I don't know. Don't talk to me about what I think. What does the math say? Does the math say you can afford it? If not, don't buy it. You will regret it. And you will not have a happy wife or a happy life because you got in over your head. Don't do that. It's much simpler if you just bite the bullet up front and say, I'm not going to go that route. Here's the thing. We've got, men, we've got to lead this. We've got to lead. We've got to uh, lay down our life and meet the need of communication, meet the need of leadership, and meet the need of security. Meet the need of security. This is, by the way, the number one need that women have is security. They need to know that they're cared for. They need to know that everything is, is where it's supposed to be. Because here's the thing. If you talk in insecure terms, your, your spouse, is go- your wife is going to shut you down. She's going to block you out. You know why? Because you are speaking right to the core of her every fear and worry. Because there's no way she can plan for a future if you're talking through insecurity. Men, we've got to be responsible financially because it matters. How do we communicate security to our spouse? Well, the same way that Jesus spoke uh, uh, security to us. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I love you. I'm faithful. I'm dependable. I'm going to be here, right? She needs to know that you're hardworking. You don't have to have it all together, but you do need to be a hard worker, amen? You, your husband does need to be a hard worker, amen? It's a really important part of it, right? She needs to know 
that you're hardworking, that you're faithful, that you're dependable. You may not be very good looking all the time, but the rest of it will take care of itself if you will be a hard worker who provides for her security. It's hard to have a happy wife and a happy life if she's always worried about whether or not the house is going to get repossessed. It's really difficult for that to work in your wife. So guys, we've got to lay down our lives for our wives. Now, there's some concerns that I have looking at the next generation, those who are coming behind me, because they're getting married later and later and later in life. And I, think they're, I, I think we can pinpoint three reasons why we're seeing that. I think number one, it's because of fear of failure. And who can blame them? How many times have they watched our marriages or their friends' marriages fail? We just had to have this discussion with my eight-year-old daughter about why divorce isn't something that she's going to see in her mom and her dad, and why um, God never divorced his wife, and Satan married his ex-wife and had a kid. Like, I don't know where some of this crazy stuff comes from, but we just had to have all of these conversations, right, to help her understand that that's not a part of who we are and that there are eight things the Bible says God hates, and one of them is divorce. God hates divorce. He does not look down and say, yes, I think you all ought to get divorced. Because in every divorce, I promise you, there's at least one spouse that didn't do things God's way and didn't lay down their life but remained selfish in everything they were doing. So who can blame them for having a fear of failure? The divorce rate's over 50% because so few lives are lived according to what the Bible says. We've got a mess on our hands and we've got to help to pick it up and clean it up, Amen. We've got to do our part to help them process through it. So if you've gone through a divorce, please don't take this as condemning to you because that's not it at all. We've all had shortcomings and failures, and, and we've all had issues in life that have led us to where we are now. But we've got to help our kids know it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be that way. You can live your life according to God's way every day, all the time, because he's given us the key to living right. Now, here's the other part of that, right? I want the next generation not to live in fear, but to live in faith. They'd pick that up from mom and dad, by the way. You know, I learned a long time ago that prayer is easier caught than it is taught. I can teach you about prayer all day long, or we can just get together and pray. And you know what happens? You're going to pick that up. You know, when I have my prayer time, I pray a lot like my father, and I pray a lot like my spiritual father. You know why? Because I've listened to them pray, and I've prayed with them, and I've labored in prayer alongside them. Same thing. We've got to let them see. We don't hide our fights from our kids. When we do premarital counseling, you know what we do? We have these couples. When Josh and Cecily were getting married six years ago, we brought them over to our house and said, hey, we're going to do premarital counseling with you. And they got to see us have little spats right there at the table as we reminisced about stories. You know why? Because we had to learn how to fight fair. What do we do? We don't do, I don't fight fair. We, uh-uh, if you, you stick it to me, I'm going to get you worse. That's typically what we do. We've got to shift past that. The second reason I, I'm worried about the next generation is because they are exceedingly selfish. Exceedingly selfish. They don't want to lay down their lives for anything. They want to go where they want to go with their friends, do their thing, and not have to worry about anything until they get good and ready for it. Friends, I'm worried about it. The third reason is because of an obvious amount of immaturity. We've got a ton of 25 and 30-year-old boys, not men. The difference between a boy and a man is that a man can take care of his family. He's willing to lay down his life to provide at the level they need. He's willing to make the hard choices. We have too many 30-year-old boys who are content to have enough money for pizza and video games. It's not what God's called us to, men. 
It's never going to work for us leading our families. We've got to take care of them and provide. Guys, we've got a job to do. We've got to take care of our families. But let me, let, let, let me take some pressure off of you. You're not the provider. I want you to hold your hand up if you think you are supposed to be the sole provider in your family. There's a lot of us feel that way. But let me take some pressure off of you. We're not. You know who is the provider? God. He's our provider. What we have to do is be a hard worker and be a good steward. When we do that, man, it's amazing what God will do in our lives. So as parents, we've got to teach our children. We've got to teach it and model it to our kids what it means to be a good steward of what God has given us and to be generous. Now guys, the second way that a woman needs security, how we meet that need, is in the emotional security aspect. And I already mentioned this a little bit. We do that the same way that God does for us. We provide by saying, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I love you. I'm here. I'm faithful. Do you know why we love Jesus? It's not because he sits in his lazy boy recliner and barks out orders over the, the parapets of heaven, right? It's because he left heaven, went and did the hard work, and provided for us, right? That's why we love him, because he first loved us. Men, if you want the, your wife to love you and to honor you, which, by the way, is men's number one need, and we'll talk about that later, but if you want your wife to love you and to honor you, don't sit in your recliner and bark orders. Get up, lay your life down for her, and make a difference. The Bible says in, in uh, Ephesians 5, uh, it's about 32, it says that the highest thing that we can do as men uh, are to love our wives and, women, and wives are to respect your husbands. It works that way together. Now listen, after 15 plus years in marriage, watching my parents of over 40, more than 30 couples that we've done premarital counseling with, and only one of those has ever ended in divorce, and it was because he became abusive in the process. We've learned a few things, and I want you to hear me say it and summarize it in one line for us, guys. Happy wife, happy life. You want God's best and blessings? Lay down your life the same way he laid down his life for us. You don't have to have it your way every time, every day. Lay down your life. If you would, bow your heads for just a moment. Now, I know it's not been a traditional Mother's Day sermon, and I promise I really did want to, want to preach one, and I had one worked up, and I was looking forward to it, and I just felt God say, no, 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 not today. So with this being said, I've really shared what I believe God asked me to give you. So now what I want us to all do is something we do regularly, just to yourself quietly. I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me today through this message? Maybe he's dealing with your heart about laying down your, wife, your life for your wife. Maybe he's dealing about laying down your life for him because you've never really given him everything you've got. Maybe he's dealing with you in some other area. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe it's time to give your life to him first and foremost because you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. And if that's you and he's dealing with you about coming into relationship with him or coming home in relationship with him, would you just slip up your hand? You feel like God's dealing with you about a sin issue in your life, okay. Somebody else. God's dealing with you about coming home, okay. Who else? Okay. Who else? 
Here's what I'd like us to all do because there were hands that went up right there. I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. And if you believe this from the bottom of your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So if you would repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive my sins, to wash me white as snow, to make me clean spiritually. Jesus, I commit my life to you and I declare that you are the Lord of my life. Thank you for your saving grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, those of you who raised your hand, if you believe that, man, praise the Lord. You're good. You're in right standing with God. It's that simple. Sometimes we need a little more help working it out down the road, though, right? That's why it's important that you get involved and stay involved in a good church. Right now, if you have, God was dealing with you about something else, our elders and our prayer team are going to come. In just a moment, when we all stand, they're going to make their way down around these altars. And if you said, Pastor, I mean, God's dealing with me about this. There's an area God has asked me to lay my life down. I, raised, I didn't raise my hand, but God's dealing with me. I want you to come. They want to pray with you. Or you know what? If you've got a prayer request, something going on this week, there's something happening, you've got a, a, a doctor's visit or something else, we want to invite you to come down and, and receive prayer over that as well. So right now, the worship team, they're going to play and sing. If you would, all across the room, stand right where you're at. Elders and prayer team begin to make your way forward. And as they lead us in this song, if you need prayer for any reason, we want to agree with you in prayer. And so for any reason at all, if you raised your hand or didn't, we, we want to pray with you. Worship team's going to begin to sing.